Station 13 may cover topics that are not suitable for all listeners, such as death, body gore, and homicide, not to mention the paranormal. We also like to swear on occasion. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome back to Station 13. Grab a glass of wine and put your kids to bed. This is DJ Void, signing back on. On top of today's show, I would like to remind everyone about the Community Causes page on our website. On this page, we will be sharing causes in the community that need funding, whether that be charities that are struggling, those suffering from loss of housing due to disability, sexuality, or orientation, and those looking to fund surgeries for people or pets they find dear. If you'd like to have your story shared through the Community Causes page, or on the podcast, please reach out through thestation13.com. This page's first call to aid is for Luke O'Ryan and their clear platonic partner, Betty. Luke recently became a wheelchair user to help with their mobility and are currently struggling to afford a place to stay permanently. They are currently living in a van in an unfamiliar state with their two fur children as they try and find a place safe enough to call home. You can locate Luke's coffee page to donate through the page on the site listed above, where they post general life updates and their art. Their music will also be featured on the cast in the future. I implore anyone with a heart large enough and funds they are able to part with to help them on their journey. Alright everyone, welcome back to Station 13. It's so wonderful to see how many of you joined us here again. Thank you so much for being my audience. I do have some happy news today, as my cold has finally released me from its grasp, but unfortunately the rains have not. Of course, at the moment it is an absolutely torturous 105 degrees Fahrenheit, despite the torrential downpour I currently find myself in. Even my poor feline co-hosts are melted in a puddle by the air vent, taking in all the cold air they can get. Poor things are loving the sink filled with water and ice as well, a stark contrast to how much they fight me when it's bath time. Now, remember folks, with this kind of heat you should keep your air conditioning at a stable temperature to avoid the cost of fighting back the heat, if you let your home get too warm. Luckily some places in the local towns have set up cooling stations, so if you find yourself in a situation where you just can't handle the heat, I would suggest finding the nearest one. Keep yourself cool out there, folks. With my chastising out of the way, I must inform you all that rummage sale season is upon us. Start stocking up on pocket change and dollar bills as this season is looking to be the largest in the last decade. Local community centers and churches are even opening their doors to host these sales and give everyone a little break from the rain and overbearing heat. Hollow Creek Community Center is also taking part this year, hosting sales from everyone in the HOA. And yes... That includes the local butcher Carl, who has already said he'll be bringing his homemade jerky to sell this year, and I've been told it's quite delicious. If you or anyone you know has an excess of shit to sell, have a look at your local center to see if there's any space left to set up. Ironically, speaking of rummage sales, I have an old story of my own including one. Why not share it now, since doing so can no longer come back to bite me? 
However, I warn you, it may be hard to stomach, so if you wish to skip through, I will understand. To start, rummage sales were my favorite thing in the entire world before this incident. They reminded me of my grandmother who passed away when I was 20, similar to how Via's letters remind me of her now. Needless to say, I frequented every rummage sale season and even dared to stop at sales that weren't held during the annual event. This, however, would lead to some pretty unfortunate events in my life that, thankfully, I am still around to share. You see, after a few sales the year I turned 24, I noticed I was being followed. I honestly probably wouldn't even have noticed I was being followed if they weren't even slightly more careful with their presence. This didn't stop after that day, either. It seemed every time I went out to a rummage sale, there was a set of eyes burrowing their way into the back of my head. I simply tried to brush it off as someone observing me enjoying my time out and about. It didn't seem like it was that big of a deal at first. However, it didn't take too long before it began to escalate. It was actually only about a month later that I discovered a shoebox on my doorway. Inside was a broken wolf figure that I had debated buying at a sale earlier that week, but it was broken and covered in blood. This is when I realized whoever this was had followed me home. I tried to limit the times I went out after that event, keeping myself keenly aware of my surroundings. However, hindsight is something I didn't have at the time, so I eventually fell back into old habits. These old habits led to more items I had debated buying for myself ending up at my door, in various forms of disarray. I wish I could say this is as far as it ever went, but I'd be lying to you and to myself. Once rummage sale season was over, the real issues began. I would find myself stopping at a gas station only to have words scrawled across my car when I returned to it, usually ones I couldn't quite make out. Even in my own home, I'd have the concerning feeling of being watched like an animal in a zoo, Going out on days off and enjoying myself by the local lake or the local arcade bar became rare. Around that time is when I started getting texts, the contents of which were very minimal. Sometimes it was just the word love over and over again. By this point, I had picked up a habit of closing all the blinds in my house when I got home from work and locking my car safely in the garage. I even upgraded the locks on the doors. Of course, then the text turned into pictures. Some of them were mundane. A photo of my trash can after it had been rummaged through, or of my front door. But of course, others were far more concerning. I remember waking up one night from a nightmare to my phone trilling in my ear. Pulling it from my nightstand and checking the message revealed a photo taken through my window of myself sleeping. I remember shoving my blankets off and running to the window with a knife in hand, only to be met by a starry night and nothing but the garbage gerblins wandering about. From then on, every few days, I'd get a photo of myself, whether it be somehow through my windows or from my ride home from work. I finally called the cops at that point, something I admittedly should have done from the start. Of course, the cops weren't too helpful from the beginning, simply telling me to block the number, something I had already done several times, and set up security cameras outside my house. 
another measure I had already taken years prior to this event, and a measure in which whoever this was knew how to avoid. I'd go to check them every time I received a photo of myself in my home, only to find the footage wiped. Minutes, sometimes even hours, missing from the recording. After explaining this to the police and bringing them the evidence of the ever-changing number, they finally started to take me seriously. I was a woman living alone with a persistent stalker on my ass. This led me to buying thicker curtains and heavier-duty locks for every entry point in my home, and the police began to patrol my area more thoroughly. It didn't end there, though. The phone calls started shortly after. The first one caught me off guard as I was sitting in my office at my old job, working on some files we needed by that afternoon. I had answered it assuming it was my mother asking me what I'd want to do for the upcoming holiday. However, when I said my pleasantries, I was swiftly met by heavy breathing and the sound of rustling leaves. Jumping from my chair and staring out my window, I finally caught a glimpse of the person who had grown obsessed with me. I will spare you the details, but it was no pleasant sight. That night, when I got home, I fell into routine and locked my house up, only to receive another phone call from a restricted number. Luckily, this time I was able to record the call. I still relive it in my nightmares to this day. You will love me, came through the line. This is when my friends who had been let in on my waking nightmare went into action, stationing themselves outside my house whenever I was home. Of course, nothing stopped what came next. I am not entirely sure if anything could have. It had been about two weeks of my friends standing guard outside my home before the nightmare of this scenario really came to light. I found myself home later than my average time and a little dazed from the long workday. I did manage to lock my house down, but apparently didn't think to do so before leaving for work that day. As I crawled under the blanket on my couch and turned on the TV to wind down, my phone chimed. Assuming it was a friend telling me they pulled up, I ignored it as I got comfy. This was met by several more chimes before I finally relented and picked up my phone. The messages that brightened my phone screen weren't from a friend pulled up out front, but photos of me taken from inside my home that same night as I had gotten comfy. The chill that emanated throughout my body could have dulled the bite of lava as I managed to send one shaky text to my group chat. Help. My friends arrived swiftly as I sat there stiff, trying to keep every corner of the room in my vision. Shortly after the police followed, they did a thorough search of the house only to come up empty-handed, and with further investigation of the photos, it was made clear to me they were being taken from my indoor cameras. This calmed my nerves for the moment, but we had no idea what was coming next. After that night, my friends started staying in my guest room. No more posting guards outside the house. There was far too much tension for that. The photos, however, never stopped. Screen grabbed straight from my cameras despite the many times I changed the passwords. Though, eventually, they did stop 
and things started to quiet down. This actually unnerved me more. Was he stalking another victim? Were the sleepless nights I endured finally over? No, of course not, for that would be boring and my life is far too dramatic. With the strange texts and phone calls ceasing almost entirely, a new inconvenience entered my life. A smell so foul that even the strongest incense couldn't purge it from my patio. So, as any normal homeowner would do, I called up the wildlife removal, assuming innocently that an animal had died under my porch. Of course, the truth was far more unnerving. What they found under my house was what nightmares are made of. A corpse, surrounded by food wrappers and human excrement, tangled up in the wires under my house with its fingers almost touching the latch in my mudroom we use for easy access. From what they told me, the man must have been living under there for a while and probably saw the hatch as access into the His death was ruled as asphyxiation. The wires had tangled around him and cut off blood flow throughout his body. Searching the belongings found on him, it was determined that he was the one making my life misery. To know that the person observing my every move was under my feet for God knows how long sent a ripple of fear through me that lasted several years. I sold the home shortly after, and while I occasionally still have nightmares of this time period, I am no longer living in the shadow of being watched. <sighs> anyway, that is a story I'm glad I am able to share now, something I wish on no one, and am forever grateful didn't take a different turn. Let's head to commercial now to calm my once again racing heart. Thank you everyone for joining us today on Station 13. Today we are highlighting Lyric Dimmig of Lapcat Creations and Rain of Paracosm Entertainment. Lyric provided Station 13 with its wonderful podcast cover art, the opening tune, and their voice as Garth Strongwater. If you like their work or would like to view other pieces they have for sale, including some very cute knit items, check out their website, lapcatcreations.square.site. That's L-A-P hyphen C-A-T hyphen C-R-E-A-T-I-O-N-S dot square dot site. Rain lends their voice to our wonderful weathercaster, Misk, and you can find their voice elsewhere on their podcast, Onward and Onward, and Paracosm Entertainment on Twitch and YouTube. Would you like your horror story to be featured on Station 13? Or maybe your own favorite local cryptid? And what about your newest music? Maybe you even wish to support what we endeavor to do here and help our staff feed their fluffy co-hosts. Well, head over to thestation13.com. That's T-H-E-S-T-A-T-I-O-N 13.com for the link to our Patreon and submission information. We'll see you there. All right, I hope we all managed to catch our breaths there. How about something more upbeat now? I got an email back from Shelly, and I think it will give us all a good chuckle. Let's hop into it to cure the downtrodden mood. 
Hello, Void. It's your favorite WDPCA agent, Shelly, again. I didn't think I'd be able to write again so soon, but I have some brilliant news. While Avery and I were on one of our many daily walks observing the local wildlife of Utkavec, we came across the not-polar bear again, a creature Avery has since dubbed a rumble bear. Now, why is that exciting, you ask? Well, because it had cubs. Normally, if this was an encounter with a regular polar bear, I'd be crapping my pants where we stood. But this lovely rumble bear has never once caused us concern. It actually proved itself to be quite gentle. As we tried to shuffle our way past it, not to startle it, or its young, it simply walked right up to us. I mean, I won't lie to you, I have been letting Avery leave food out for it once we realized it wasn't dangerous. Apparently, that's something the locals do occasionally as well when they notice its food sources growing scarce for the season. Okay, okay. So it walked right up to us, and Avery, this woman, this crazy-ass woman who I love with my whole heart, pet the thing. I just kind of stood there in shock for a minute as it let her, pushing its head into her hand like a cat craving affection. Before I got an even bigger shock... One of the little cubs decided to push its little head right into my leg and look up at me with those big orbs for eyes. I think a part of me broke, and I just had to pet the thing. It was honestly a wonderful discovery for our reports. These creatures enjoy human affection. I think we sat there for a few hours just giving them rubs and lovins. It reminded me of my initial reaction to that little owl man cub so many years ago. This is when Avery determined their new name for future reports to the WDPCA, the lovely Rumble Bear. Named such because they seem to attempt to purr when being pet, showing their enjoyment. Since that day, the mother Rumble Bear and her cubs have showed up by the greenhouse for some late night snacks, taking fish and carrots from our hands. Apparently, they're omnivores. While their split face akin to the dogs from the likes of Silent Hill or Resident Evil are still terrifying, their goofy nature and globe-like eyes make up for the scare factor. Anyway, I just had to tell you that before I forgot. I don't have anything else as exciting at the moment. Send your fluffy co-hosts my love. Ah, I absolutely love that! Shelly sent me something so sweet! See, sometimes the creatures lurking around aren't bad. They're just goofy looking. Anywho, let's hop over to the news and see what Garth has for us today. Hello everyone, Garth Strongwater here again with the news. Today we have an update on Patches, the cat that Void seems to be so fond of. It seems this creature has gone from terrorizing fish hatcheries to terrorizing the bird population in Lebanon. This morning, townsfolk found approximately 40 seagulls torn to shreds in a local Culver's parking lot. While we cannot fully guarantee that this was Patches, the multicolored fur around the area provides decent evidence that this creature is still on the loose. In other news, more close to my heart, the town of Champaign, Illinois elected its first cat mayor after a long succession of dogs. His name is Tibbles, and his campaign spearheaded a fight for more public trash receptacles and a tree planting initiative. While some are saddened the lovely German shepherd Mr. Bonks didn't win, they should be happy to know that he is now living out his retirement in a loving, air-conditioned home with a fresh, raw food diet. That's all from me today, folks. Back to you, Void. Ah, uh, well, I am not super thrilled to hear that Patches is still around. Honestly, how hard can it be to trap that thing? Isn't the WDPCA on that already? 
Anyway, thank you kindly, Garth. I am also happy to hear Mr. Bonks is settling well in his retirement, and I do hope Tibbles can get his tree-planting initiative off the ground. Now, on to the real meat of the show. I promised you last week I would tell you a little about the last three cryptids on my list for the state of Wisconsin, so let's get started on the Hodag, the Man-Faced Pig, and the Vampire of Mineral Point. Rhinelander, Wisconsin, a town nestled in Oneida County, is said to be home to a great beast, a creature great enough that it was featured in the tales of the titular Paul Bunyan, that very creature being the terrifying Hodag, a being bred from the ashes of oxen, filled with their hate over the abuse they suffered at the hands of their masters. It is said the first sighting of the Hodag was in 1893, shortly after an article in the local paper describing the monster was published. It was said it had the head of a frog, the grinning face of a giant elephant, thick and short legs finished with sharp claws, and the back of a dinosaur leading to a long tail with spurs at the end. The reports came from a well-known land surveyor, Timber Cruiser, and the prankster Eugene Shepard. Eugene Shepard himself would go on to hoax the people of Rhinelander, by claiming he used a stick with chloroform to capture the beast, proceeding to display a false hodag to the people attending the Oneida County Fair. However, this was short-lived, as scientists from the Smithsonian Institute announced their desire to come study this beast, forcing him to admit his falsity. To this day, the beast still lives in the fame it grew from the first article becoming the town's mascot to this day. Statues of it are still proudly displayed in the town's parades each year, and one is planted right at the town border to welcome travelers. While this lovely beast is normally regarded as nothing more than a pure hoax, there are still those out there that believe in it, claiming there are many, and that they are simply more comfortable in the denser, less populated areas of the state. I, for one, hope to see one eventually, as I do have a love for lizard-like creatures, big or small. Now, the man-faced pigs of Brussels, Wisconsin have their own interesting story. It is said their entire existence took root from a curse. Brussels was founded in 1858, merely ten years after the state itself, by the Walloons, a French-speaking group of Belgians. These settlers brought with them their customs of religion and folklore from their homeland. That included a hearty dedication to the Catholic religion. This extreme dedication is where the man-faced pigs seemed to stem. Somewhere between the late 1800s and early 1900s, a farmer of the village took a letter he received from his family to a clergyman, as he had yet learned to read. Upon reading the contents of the letter out loud, stating that the farmer had been written out of his father's will, the farmer cursed the clergyman. Unbeknownst to him, however, the curse reverted and landed back on him. It didn't take long before the farmer was dealing with this, his furniture levitating and phantom music from that of a fiddle filling his home. Even the livestock outside began to change. But, of course, the pigs changed the most. Now sporting human and twisted demon-like faces, the once rambunctious and rowdy pigs began following the farmer around their faces staring at him, unblinking wherever he went. 
On his farm or out on the town, this farmer was being kept under constant surveillance by his own livestock. They would follow him through every step of his day. This led to a breaking point, and with a heavy heart he went to his elderly neighbor to confess his sins of cursing a clergyman. She didn't turn him away, but gave him a very simple solution, and later that day the man could be seen building a small shrine on his property. It is said after praying at this shrine the pig's faces returned to normal, and they went back to their usual nature. While I do find it quite unsettling that a pig could be born with a man's face, I do not find it too surprising. This story could simply be the Belgian people bringing their folklore and superstition with them to their new home. But who's to say that pigmen, seen all around the world, and the man-faced pigs aren't one and the same in a familial sense? Now, on to our last unusual being of the night, the Mineral Point Vampire. The first supposed sighting of the vampire happened at the end of March 1981. An officer claimed he saw the being while patrolling a graveyard, claiming it to be a tall, lanky man with a pale face wearing a cape, the stereotypical garb of legends. While it is said the officer tried to pursue the creature, it had escaped him by jumping a barbed wire fence, measured at six feet tall. The following day he returned with other police officers to look for evidence, only to find strange footprints at the site. This would be the last encounter with the creature until 2004. A few concerned citizens had called in a man sitting in a tree outside of an apartment complex. Upon their arrival, the police were greeted by the same figure, a tall, darkly clad man who proceeded to leap from the tree and flee. They attempted to track the being but lost sight of them rather quickly. Again, footprints were found at the scene eerily similar to the ones in the 80s, stopping abruptly at a 10-foot wall. Following only four years later, in 2008, the police received another call, describing the same man. A young couple fishing off a pier on Leaden Lake claims that they heard noises coming from beneath them. When shining their flashlight to investigate, they were met with a stark white face straight from their nightmares. They promptly fled the encounter after throwing their flashlight at the man, claiming to have then been chased back to their vehicle and down the road, the vampire moving at impossible speed behind them. Of course, when the police did arrive at the site, they were met with nothing but the couple's fishing gear, and a description of a man that became all too ingrained in their memory. Tall, pale-faced, and wearing a dark black cape. While the being almost resembles the spring-heeled jack from English folklore, it received its title as Mineral Point Vampire for the cape it is continuously seen in. Out of all the three creatures tonight, this one seems the most believable, even if you find yourself in a world with only one sun. I wonder if this vampire will ever make its presence known again. Honestly, after that report, I wouldn't mind if the Mineral Point vampire popped up again. Just please, gods, no man-faced pigs. I get the heebie-jeebies just thinking about it. Anyway, a short interlude for the weather. Hey everyone, Misk here. Apologies for my absence last week. I am mostly recovered from this shift and expect to be in this form for 
a while, so I should be able to bring you your weather without interruption. I suspected we'd be cooling down this week, but it seems that I was wrong. I'm sorry to have given you incorrect information, but it looks like we are in this heat for a few more weeks. Remember to consume a proper amount of water and keep your eyes out for heat exhaustion. If you find yourself becoming lethargic, please return to your homes or visit a cooling station, which are located in most towns. Yes, we may still be in the rainy season, but the random superheat spurs are still coming. However, the splash pads are not for you. They are for the beings that we share our land with. Using one could upset the very delicate balance that we've built with them. That's all. This heat has made me quite disgruntled. So I'll throw it back to you, Void. Oh dear, Misk. Another shift? Isn't this the third time this year? I really hope for your sanity your body calms down soon. And yes, dear, this heat is just absolutely fucking dreadful. Speaking of heat, I have one last thing to share with you on this episode. Something that breeds and thrives in the blistering heat and muddied ground around this time of year. Let me share with you a new write-in from someone under the moniker Sanity Lost that perfectly fits the description of a Clagbriar. Hello, Station 13 listeners, and of course Void. I am writing today with some concerning happenings and sightings around my home. I was hoping that someone out there might be able to tell me what is going on, or that I might find someone to commiserate with. You see, shortly after the rainy season happened, I noticed the heat wasn't dying down. I know from this show that when the heat and rain collide, the heat for the most part wins. Outside would go from torrential downpour to sweltering sunlight at the blink of an eye, only leaving occasional mud spots in the backyard. I also happen to know that this upsets the creatures in the woods, or simply those lurking around my yard, and so I set up water stations and snack spots, as advised, to keep them content. However, it seems this time that the nifty little tricks I learned are not helping in the slightest. For a while, I was simply being woken up by a loud growling and thrashing outside my window in the middle of the night. Being met with a shredded lawn and destroyed hose each morning. I swear I have replaced my hose almost ten times now. Honestly, though, I'd prefer to go back to that opposed to what I am dealing with now. It was a couple nights later that I heard the noise again, so as the curious person I am, I opened the curtains slowly and peered into my backyard. Standing there was a giant frog-like creature. It seemed listless as it sat in a mud spot and thrashed about. Eventually, after staring out the window for admittedly too long, it noticed me. I could swear it was staring into my soul. I found myself stumbling back from the window and landing on my ass. I slept in my office that night. Shortly after my heated staring contest with the thing, I'd constantly be awoken to something thudding against my bedroom window. 
By this point, I was tying my curtains closed, but it didn't stop me from seeing the creature's eye pressed against the window through the small gap. I just couldn't get to stay shut. Now it is every night I catch a glimpse of its eye through the window, and hear the thumping of it against my house, or the thrashing about in my yard. I've had to start sleeping solely in the office to get any sleep at all. I hope someone out there can tell me whatever the hell this thing is, because I just want my peace of mind back. Is it going to try and eat me? Should I be worried? Please help. Alright, dear writer. Don't worry too much about Clagbriars. They're not malicious or human-hungry. Actually, they're quite harmless for the most part. Let me give you the rundown. Clagbriars are large, imposing, toad-like creatures, with a nasty set of claws and off-putting, tree-frog-like eyes. Now, when I say large, I mean absolutely massive, around the size of a half-bus. But do not fret, they are rather easy to soothe. Clagbriars absolutely love mud and the heat. However, if the mud is too easily dried by the heat, it annoys them because it becomes harder to find spots to lay their eggs. They also aren't invasive or overpopulating at the moment, so here's my tip to help your little problem go away. Simply begin spraying down the farthest part of your yard from your house, right as the sun sets. Absolutely drench it until the mud is puddling up nicely. I know this sounds unpleasant, as it will ruin your yard, but trust me, it's better than the whole property being dug up time and time again. Give that a shot, and if it is still not working, try buying the superworms genetically engineered for big fish. Clagbriars absolutely love them, and if you leave it a little snack, it won't see you as a threat. If all else fails, write in again, and I'll throw Shelly an email for now, just in case to see what the WDPCA would do in that situation. Anyway, it looks like we have come to the end of our show today. It's 10pm. Do you know where your children are? DJ Void, signing off. Thank you everyone for listening to this week's episode of Station 13. A special thanks to Lyric of Lapcat Creations and Rain from Onward and Onward for their voices on the show, voicing Garth Strongwater and Misk, respectively. If you're looking to get another fix of fun and horror, why not give Dangerous Times at Chillhaven High a listen? They're currently on hiatus, and now would be a great time to catch up on their prior adventures in the Monster of the Week TTRPG. If you'd like to contact us to submit a cause or story, support our endeavor, or hire a voice actor from the cast, please check out thestation13.com for contact details. We also now are proud to announce we have a temporary Redbubble linked through the station's website, featuring some of the lovely critters and organizations from our show. We also are proud to announce that we are opening our station's Discord channel to the public. Check the notes of the podcast for a link to join us. Come suggest cryptids and stories for the show. Anyway, stay safe out there, and we'll see you all next time.